You're listening to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. Hosted by Rev Yearwood, Mustafa Santiago Ali, and me, Antonique Smith. Each week we host important conversations with innovators, policymakers, cultural influencers, and movement leaders who are leading the way to a 100% clean energy and just world. Governor Inslee, welcome to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. We really appreciate you being here with us. And we also want to say we appreciate all the work that we've seen you do over the years. Yeah, well, I appreciate you let me wear a tie uh, tries to match yours. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Well, I know I'm doing all right if I have a tie that looks as good as yours. Well, as I've said, I can never match you from when it comes to clothes department. Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. So let's just go ahead and dive right in because, you know, we got a lot of serious things that are happening uh-huh. around climate change and environmental justice and so many of the issues. And I know you've given a lot of serious thought to that. You actually wrote a book yeah. uh, on energy and the climate. Can you talk a little bit about why you did that? What motivated you and what did you hope would come out of that? Well, it's been obvious to me for a couple decades that climate change is going to be a major league uh, challenge for the country. And we got to develop a response to it. Mm-hmm. And I felt that if we could uh, give America a positive vision on how we grow jobs while defeating climate change, this is back in 2007, mm-hmm. I thought we could get people over this hump of climate denial and start understanding this is a positive thing to build jobs, build economic development. I thought if we could give that vision to the country, so I co-authored a book, it's called Apollo's Fire, Igniting America's Clean Energy Economy, and obviously it was based on the Apollo Project. And what Kennedy did, Kennedy gave us a goal and said, go get it, America, and we did it. And the idea of the book was, let's go do it. Uh, we've done a little bit of it. We got $90 billion in the stimulus plan, thanks to Barack Obama, which I appreciate. Yep. Uh, the states have done some. My state's done a bunch of stuff on clean energy. We've created jobs. But obviously, uh, we need the federal government to get off the dime. We need to have a new president that will quit denying climate science and start embracing a clean energy future. So those ideas, I think, are still relevant. They're still timely, and they're more urgent than they've ever been. We don't have a lot of time here. We've got to get going on climate change. So uh, we need a new president going to do that. Without a doubt. So let's, let me ask this quick question. You know, over a decade now since you wrote the book, mm-hmm. what was the atmosphere at that time? Because now we've got a lot of people who are focusing yeah. on it. How difficult was it to get traction to get people to pay attention at that time? Well, it was tougher than I would have liked because they haven't made this into a major motion picture yet. So obviously we, we, we need some work. Yeah. The problem at that time was that climate change was like a chart on a graph. It was like you you need to explain to people, look, there's certain parts per million of carbon dioxide that will lead to capture infrared radiance that will end up, you know, it was an, it was like an intellectual exercise with people. Now it's like you're seeing this disaster unfold before your very eyes and it's happening in your neighborhood. It's Paradise, California, where I went and I drove for an hour of a town of 25,000 People in that town was burnt to the foundations. Uh, it's in my state where uh, the kids couldn't go outside because the air was too bad from the forest fires. We had to close our swimming pools this year. It's Houston where the big floods were. It's Miami Beach where they've had to raise the streets a foot and a half because they're flooding, uh, you know, uh, once in a while, anytime there's a high tide. It's Iowa where the farmers couldn't get out in their fields. So 
It's been a major change since I wrote this book where people are now witnessing in their lives the need to, to defeat climate change. Now, at the same time, a lot of the things that I, we predicted in our book were going to happen as far as job creation are coming to pass. We got people building electric cars. We have people building wind turbines. We have people doing batteries. We have people doing engineering. And now clean energy jobs are going twice uh, as fast as the rest of the U.S. economy. So this is a vision statement. I've been at it a long time. I'm glad it's catching fire. I'm, I like to be there when you know when you win the winning shot, and I think we're getting to that point. Yeah. Well, let's talk about you know sort of what we currently have going on right now. So we have this immediacy of the moment, if you will. Right. We know that the National Climate Assessment, the IPCC reports, all of them have told us that from now we have less than 12 years before we kind of hit the tipping point, if you will. We've got this dynamic that's currently going on where we have a number of people across our country who are saying we want action now. Mm -hmm. and, and we want big and bold action. Mm -hmm. um, but we have some politicians who are, who are saying, well, hold on now, maybe some of the things that you guys are asking for are not things that we can move quickly on. Mm -hmm. So we've got that different dynamic going on. Can you talk about uh, sort of what your views are in that space of how, yeah. how do we move forward? Well, first off, I'm just thrilled that we got people, particularly young people. This is a high, like the highest priority for young people in our country. Yeah. And this is a good thing that we got so many dynamic young people giving energy, putting pressure on to get this job done. The way I look at this, and, and again, I come back to the Apollo project because I lived through it. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I heard when Kennedy said, let's go to the moon. And what he said is, let's go to the moon and bring a man back safely in 10 years. People didn't sit around and argue, well, no, I think it'll take 12. I think it'll take 13. Mm -hmm. That's a worthless argument. The issue is you got to get going. You got to set a goal. You don't know exactly how long it's going to take, but you know this, you got to get going today. And I'm really interested in fact, what we can do in the short term. Let's get things going today. Let's not quibble about the timeline, if you will. But we need bold action and we have to mobilize the whole nation. This is, a, this is an issue that requires us to decarbonize the U.S. economy. That means enormous job opportunity to build new technologies, and it has to be large. Uh, this is not something you do at the, like, check in a box is one of the 10 issues. This has to be the primary fundamental message uh, or mission statement for the United States. It has to be the foremost paramount issue. I think it has to be the organizing principle of the federal government, and you got to make it priority number one, because I'll tell you what, uh, if it's not priority one, it's not going to get done. And so I think we need a president who will say it's priority number one. And that's what uh, I think the country needs. I, I would agree with you. And you find organizations like the Sunrise Movement, yep. uh, Zero Hour, a number of others who are out there who are saying, you know, we need you to act now because we're the ones who are going to actually have to deal with these impacts that are going on. I'm not as sure if all the folks who we put our trust in on Capitol Hill truly believe uh, that the, the impacts that are happening, I think they understand those, but those that are coming that are going to be even more significant, I'm not sure if they get it yet. What do you well, that's our job to make sure that people do understand that okay. and understand it's our job. There is some education involved in this. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of easy for me because I've literally been looking at the science on a daily basis right. this for a long time. And the disturbing thing is the science keeps coming in on the, on the this is getting worse faster than we thought uh, part of this. Uh, but I think the country has moved dramatically. I'll give you an example. There was just a poll in the four primary states uh, and Democratic voters, and they said for the first time, climate change was number one priority for them, number one, tied with health care. 
So the public's getting this, and now we need the politicians to get it. And we need them to make sure that when they do design this program, they design it uh, considering who's been suffering this, which have been frontline communities, mm-hmm. communities in poverty, communities of color largely, who've been living in poverty, been living next to the polluting sites, been living next to the freeway. Mm-hmm. They're the groups who've been suffering and those are the groups got to be we got to think of when we're designing the solution to this problem as well. So I think this is an important part of this. I think that's an excellent point. So how have you in your state, as the person who's driving, pushing, innovating, mm-hmm. yeah. how have you engaged with indigenous communities, uh, you know, youth leaders and youth organizations, mm-hmm. so that their voices? you know, play a, a role in yeah. the things that are happening. Well, every way we can, because we want them involved in the design of the solutions, right? This shouldn't be a top-down, it should be bottom-up. So any proposal we make, we're involved in the tribes community. We got the most active and successful tribes in the country, really, and we engage them. Uh, when we designed the initiative that unfortunately did not pass, but there was a tremendous engagement of of communities of color, of folks in the disability community. It was the most broad-based coalition that we've ever had, uh, I think. And I met with some folks uh, last week about that, how to continue that effort in the new legislation, because I've got several bills this year where we want to focus the investment first where the most damage has been, which is frontline communities. When we do investment, we want to make sure that we get family wage jobs and people have the right to have unions. We've had a lot of success with um, with project labor agreements to make sure that we have family wage jobs and projects that we do invest in. We want to make sure that there is not just a transition. We want a just transition. We want to make sure that transition is just, which means that you got to help people who do have transition from one career to another with tremendous universal access to training, with assistance while that transition is taking place with making sure that affected communities get help for the community, not just the individual. So you gotta build that into everything, and obviously the idea is that it come from the communities that are on the ground from a grassroots basis. So I know that with all of these innovative ideas, all of this hard work, mm-hmm. there are always gonna be those detractors. Yeah. And we know that we're not too far from one of the detractors. <laughs> it's just a few blocks down on 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Um, but there are others, and you know, your state and a number of other states have been pushing back. How difficult has it been in the in the fight for justice, if you will? Um, what's the dynamics you've been dealing with? Well, the dynamic has been inertia, and uh, the current president, who is a climate denier, who every time it snows, he tweets that there's no climate change. Talk about an ignorant position. That really is embarrassing. You know, we're the most scientifically literate, technologically oriented. We invented software. We're curing cancer. And yet, even the president of the United States, when it snows, says there's no climate change. Yeah. What a bunch of baloney. So that's a little embarrassing, but we're going to get over that. This He's going to be a blip in history. Yes. We're going to move on. We're going to get a new president who will call for a mission statement to beat climate change. Mm-hmm. I believe that. And we just got to be perseverant. I do think one of, because I've been at this for a couple decades now, I think one of the most important skills is perseverance. Every social change has taken time and there's a lot of losses along the way until you win. Mm-hmm. And I think this has been one of those cases. We gotta just push through, we gotta be undaunted, we gotta persevere, we gotta be disciplined, we gotta take uh, not take no for an answer until we win. And I think that is happening. Uh, you know, we've had some wins in Washington, but we didn't win them the first time. 
And you got to realize you just got to keep coming back. And I think now that the public, again, is realizing the danger we're in, we're going to start winning more battles. I'm convinced of that. Uh, we got to elect the right people, of course, too. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm totally with you on that, and, and especially the perseverance aspect of what, you, what you've shared with us, because when you think about environmental justice, mm -hmm. of course, we know that that movement came into being because folks weren't focusing on the issues that were impacting vulnerable communities. Yeah. And yeah. the term environmental racism came. Yeah. Uh, we created, Reverend Yearwood and I, I think 100% to begin to break down the silos, to you know, really peel back uh, some of the right. things that were going in the climate movement, but also to highlight those voices and faces that most folks never see. How have you guys been dealing with uh, environmental racism uh, in your state? Or how would you like to see the country as a whole beginning to, to focus more? Well, the first is to recognize the pernicious effect of centuries of racism and bigotry and prejudice and poverty that have been baked into our society. Mm -hmm. And you need to realize what that's done. Uh, I'll just give you an example. One of the real eye-openers I had was I met a, a woman named Jasmine, and I think it's Cardin. She was 14-year-old Latina, mm -hmm. and she lived next to a freeway in South Seattle and next to the industrial area. So she's breathing a lot of diesel fumes. She's breathing a lot of you know toxic stuff from industry. And she told me she was 14 years old before, or 11 years old, before she figured out there were some kids that didn't have asthma. She thought all the kids had asthma. It's so bad. Mm -hmm. It's an epidemic of asthma. Mm -hmm. She went out and did a study and realized that, you know, the closer you live to a freeway or an industrial pollution site, the more likely it is to have asthma. We need to be aware of that pernicious uh, poverty and racism and what it's done. And we got to realize that this is a matter of equity as much as it is the ecology. And you got to bake in equity in everything that you think of, in the, in the policies you embrace. You got to target those people who have been subject to racism for centuries. You got to you got to think about people in poverty first, because of those the ones who are always the first victims. And it's appropriate to make sure those people have transition and training and, and access to investment capital. That's the right thing to do. So uh, I'm glad we have this kind of merger of interest between the equity community and the justice community with those who are fighting environmental battles. It's been really healthy. It's been good in our in our state that we've had this kind of coalition and it's working. Let me ask you this question because you know we've posed this to a number of the incredible folks that we've been blessed to interview. In relationship to diversity, yeah. can we win on climate change if we don't diversify our movement, our organizations? Um, I'm, I'm just curious what you're well, look, at, I believe diversity is strength. Okay. That, this is my, one of my reasons our Washington economy is the best in the country is because we believe in diversity. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump is wrong. It is not a weakness. It is a strength. It's one of the reasons that we have won. It's one of the reasons I came out as the first governor against the Muslim ban. Mm -hmm. It's why I've been such a protectorate of the dreamers and hope we get immigration reform as soon as we can. Uh, it's one of the reasons that I've embraced uh, criminal justice reform and pardoned offered a pardon to 3,000 people with marijuana convictions because we know the drug war has embraced or embedded racism in our criminal justice system. It's one reason that I'm such an advocate for early child education because we want to break that cycle of poverty. And, you know, zip code should not be destiny. And the best way to break that cycle of poverty is to help kids early who might be suffering from poverty and trauma. So this is something deep at my core, and 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 in the climate change world, you gotta you gotta embed those kind of those kind of viewpoints. We gotta realize the the um, the pernicious effect uh, effect of of uh, you know implicit 
bias. I've trained my people in this. I've trained my cabinet members in implicit bias so that they understand how to watch out for the biases that we have. I've really uh, been committed to diversity so that we have, you know, half of the people I've appointed are women and we got great diversity in my ranks and that's made us stronger. It's not just a matter of justice, it's a matter of strength and effectiveness. When you get more voices and more different ways of looking at things and creative ways to look at a problem, you do better. I know that from the, my team and my campaign team, you know, led by a woman, and I've had a just a diverse a team all my life. I like to win, and you win with diverse strength. Well, let's talk a little bit more about winning because I'm right there with you. So you touched on solutions earlier. I, I really think that we should just dive into that real quickly also. So on the state and county level, um, in your state, can you talk about some of the things that you guys are doing in relationship to solutions? You bet. So uh, uh, we've done a lot, not enough. We have a lot more work to do, but we've done a lot. We've passed a renewable portfolio standard, and as a result, this has driven the development of a multi-billion-dollar industry in wind industry. We went from zero to billions of dollars of jobs and investment just in a decade because of our renewable portfolio standard. We've embraced an electrification initiative to try to electrify our transportation system to get more electric cars. And we're number one or two on the use of electric cars in our state. Uh, we're number one, we have the most usage of electric buses per capita in any city in, I think, the Western Hemisphere, in Wenatchee, Washington. We're moving forward with clean uh, energy research. We gotta do a lot of research to get new technologies. And I started a research fund, a clean energy research fund. It's, it's turned out a lot of great new technologies. I also created a clean energy development fund to help new businesses get going so we can put people to work in the clean energy. And we've embraced a lot of green transportation. So we have a $70 billion transportation collection of projects, and 70% of that is in public transportation, which is low-carbon solutions. So um, uh, we've done a lot, but we're not done. We still got a lot to do, do a lot more work to meet our goals. So this year I've got several bills that will have 100% clean electricity, we hope, have net zero buildings, we hope to pass a clean fuel standard. These things are gonna move the needle a lot further down the road, so we're not done. But this is really important to realize. Um, Donald Trump has not been able to stop us. He can tweet all he wants, but he can't stop us in the states from moving forward. And that's why I'm glad I started the, uh, with Jerry Brown and Andrew Cuomo, the uh, US Climate Alliance, and we now have 21 states that are moving forward. So we got a lot, we've done a lot, we got a lot more to do. Yeah, and thank you for that. As someone who worked on the Clean Power Plan, you bet. and a number of those other things, if it wouldn't have been for the states and the cities stepping up, we would be even in a much tougher situation. Yeah. Well, thank you, and I gotta tell you, I was thinking of you yesterday, I encountered the Trump's acting administrator of EPA, who's trying to repeal your work, right? <laughs> yes. You did all this good work, it's like trying to tear up the Mona Lisa. You did a beautiful rule, and now he's trying to tear it up. So. We got to keep fighting that one. Yeah, we'll, we'll get them. <laughs> one other thing. So, you know, I believe that tech has to play a significant role mm -hmm. uh, as yeah. we move forward. You guys are blessed to have Microsoft there. Yeah. Um, what role do you see, uh, whether it's Silicon Valley, uh, our, our tech uh, spots across the country, what role do you see them playing in the future? Well, it's critical. We need to continue the progress we've made. Look, tech has been very successful driving down the cost of these technologies. So solar energy, as you know, has come down in price about 85% in the last decade, wind about 20 or 30%. That's tech at work, right? That's people in lab coats working on new types of silicone photovoltaics and like. 
Yeah, you know, I was tell a story about a, a kid who was a, a student at Jackson High School in Woodenville, Washington, or Mill Creek. And uh, he said, well, what can I do in my life? He says, well, I think I'm going to go fight climate change. And he said, well, how can I do that? He says, well, I can invent a whole new way to have a battery. He went out and invented a new, uh, a new battery membrane that now maybe he can have a business that's a lot more effective, uh, contain a lot more power. So yes, this is pivotal, continue to drive down the costs. And when we do that, we're going to get to a, a, a decarbonized economy and we got to hustle that up. We want to thank you. Um, just as we're uh, wrapping up here, let me ask you this question because we are here at the Hip Hop Caucus yeah. headquarters. Um, what song, uh, what music motivates you to continue in the fight? Oh man, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna make so much fun of me when I tell you that. Okay. Um, uh, I've married for 46 years. I married my high school sweetheart. Congratulations. And uh, that's worked out really well. And I, I got. I gotta go to something. Every time I hear it, I think of when I saw my my now wife when she was uh, 18, and it was the first time we were saying goodbye because I was going to one college and she was going to another, and it was Peter Paul and Mary's "Leaving on a Jet Plane," okay. and you probably never heard of that song because it's so it's so ancient. <laughs> but I gotta tell you, when I hear that song, I remember how I felt, and I've got to come back to home to her now for 46 years. So. That motivates me pretty well, and she's into it, and we may be in a presidential run together here soon, so we'll be playing that song a little. <laughs> All right. Well, Governor Ansley. <laughs> thank I, you, man. Thank you so much for everything you've been doing. Good Appreciate to see you. It. Thanks for your leadership. It's been great. Appreciate you. Go hip-hop. All right. Thanks for joining us this week on Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change, a hip-hop caucus platform. Let's keep this important dialogue going. Be a part of the conversation by following us on social media at Think100Show and at Hip Hop Caucus. Visit our website at think100.info for blog content, information on upcoming events, or to connect with us. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. Rate and review us or simply tell a friend. Climate change impacts all of us. And if we think 100%, we can achieve a 100% sustainable and just world together. Think 100, think 100, think 100.